0: Welcome to Ogilof Neneigus. Conversations about Irish mythology. With the story archaeologist Chris
1: Thompson and Isolde Carmody. At www.storyarchaeology.com Series 1, Mythical Women. Episode 1, The Story of Shinnan. The Story of Shinnan. In the days of dreaming, when the ever-living ones still walked freely among the misty mountains and green valleys of Ireland, when the soft light of enchantment shone from every hill of the Shea, there was a well. It was a deep and hidden pool, fringed and caressed by nine strong hazel trees. Pale leaves in spring would gently stroke the bubbling waters, and as the year turned, red nuts would drop softly into the deep reflecting mirror of the well within its depths, the wise ones, the old ones, the salmon, consumed each kernel of wisdom, each nut of inspiration, for had they not the whole world in a nutshell, it was a deep place of wonder, of enchantment, of understanding, but above all a secret place. A deep and secret place, but not unknown it was known after all to the wise men the magicians who would drink the water from the pool skimming the surface of its secrets wielding its knowledge and absorbing its enchantments and so they became great awesome knowledgeable powerful enchanted inspired but not inspiring then came shinnan to that place granddaughter to the sea she came in her tide time she came free and fresh drawn like a seagull from the open sea to that deep wide well deeper wider and stronger than the sea itself She came not as a magician or wise man. She came not to seek power. She came as the sea comes in curiosity without hindrance. She was unstoppable. Her feet were like white seashells and her hair was woven with the wind. She was ungovernable. Her azure green robe undulated like wind-washed waves as she walked. She was unknowable the salmon stirred in their bonds of knowledge and began to turn in great spirals rising to meet their freedom and as she reached the well the water rose to greet her wild waves of beauty reached out for her overstepping the bounds of knowledge new patterns of laughter white and blue green and purple azure and turquoise the deep longings of amethyst cried out to her as the waters danced around her she danced the wild dance of inspiration unfettered by knowledge the joyful steps of understanding freed from its clever bonds the song of the waters of intuition swept her along and she allowed herself to become one with it in its frenzy and ecstasy the magicians watched in horror as their secrets were poured forth in a babble of wise words the gems of their secret wisdom shining like pearls on the bed of the crystal river for the well no longer contained and static had indeed become a river tumbling over rocks thing in sheer exuberance for its own pleasure until it reached the plains she flowed gladly and graciously down down through the land becoming broad and queenly, a goddess among rivers, bestowing favours, carrying the salmon of knowledge on her way once more to reach the sparkling sea. All right now that version of the story of Shinnan, which is a great favourite story of mine, it's, um I've told the generally known version there, it's cited by, among others, Eugene O'Curry, and it's often compared to the story of Bowen found in the Book of Leinster. But apart from the metropolitan in I can't find any other stories besides any other versions of the stories or any other sources besides O'Curry. So, since he seems to be the only person who's telling the
0: story, the earliest form of the story I can find, who exactly was Eugene O'Curry? Well, Eugenio Curry was—he was a real pioneer in terms of looking at Irish manuscripts and uh, what they meant. He was born in the late 1700s mm-hmm. and he was involved in the Royal Irish Academy during the first half of the 19th century. So it's quite early, isn't it? It is in terms of, you know, the modern field of uh, study of old Irish or of early Irish uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, he... The beginning
1: of the sort of 19th century revival rather like there was in the medieval times
0: well the 19th century for Ireland was very much our renaissance in in every sense of the word of the word and in fact O'Curry's lectures uh, which he never published during his lifetime he died I think in the 1840s and so his lectures were edited and published by William K Sullivan and now he's quite an important person to you isn't he? he is rather he's my great 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 grandfather as it happens but he was also very much the uh, the model of the irish renaissance man in mm-hmm. the in the 19th century he was first and foremost a scientist and he was the second head of the university in cork queen's mm-hmm. university in cork and he was secretary of the, the royal irish academy um, at the time that o'curry was giving these lectures and so although sullivan's background was science um he set about not just editing o'curry's lectures and getting them published but he also like the this volume the uh, on the manners and customs of the ancient irish is it's published in three volumes and the first volume is all sullivan's introduction and in order to do this he's uh Used a scientific method. He's checked up what O'Curry's sources were. Trying to find
1: all the sources exactly. And put the lectures
0: into context. Yeah. Trying to create a, a bibliography. Trying to get a, a sort of a scientific view of early Irish history and and of music history and all these yeah. other things in order to publish them. So, um, but because O'Curry had been giving these as lectures, it meant that he didn't have. Extensive bibliographic notes. He didn't have, you know, a written complete translation of the works he was looking at. He was quite simply reading the original manuscripts. Not something that everybody could do. Absolutely not. We still can't do. Exactly, exactly. You know, there weren't, you know, well, uh, nicely printed editions, or tra- and, and there definitely weren't nicely published translations. So he was working from his first-hand understanding yeah, yeah, of the materials, yeah. but he didn't. Necessarily pass on his sources in that way, right, but he does state, or it is stated there, that
1: he takes the story of Shinan from the Metrical chanaka story. Does source, doesn't yes, he? Yes,
0: yeah. When, when he's talking about it, he says mm. it's it's the poem that begins like this, and he gives a translation of the first four lines mm. of the first and then this story us. gets
1: retold mm. and it's refound now i i i'm trying to remember when i first found this story i possibly read it in um, charles squire Celtic myths and legends or in one of the other Celtic Twilight retailings and I certainly found O'Carrie's version of it hmm. um, but that was really all that was available 20-30 years ago yeah. um, but this the story as it was told and as O'Carrie tells it yeah. suggests a disobedient woman who dares to go to Tom Conler's well in defiance of convention
0: Yeah, it it was quite a shock to me when I finally found the reference in O'Curry, because I had imagined that having read the poems of the Metrical Dindhanikas, which spoke of a you know a noble lady and the tragic loss, uh, of her. <laughs> not about. <laughs> not,
1: not. And also my version, which talks about creativity, exactly. and flowing. And... Yeah,
0: but but again, the the version that I would have first come across, referred to in of in books, was about the the disobedient girl who, um, was then punished by the angry waters of the well rising up and sweeping her away, um, and this is from O'Curry's telling he, he gives a sort of what he obviously deems a synopsis of the story as it's given and he talks about how you know Shinnan had all of the attainments that were appropriate to her sex uh, right but that she also longed for the more solid and masculine acquirements which were available at connell as well to the other sex only right so he's really couched it in gender terms that the um he does say that the the what can be found at the well is the heights of literature and poetry and art but uh, there is nothing in the poems that I have read to suggest that there is a gender issue at stake here All Right. we What we need to do if we
1: ought to open our first story archaeological trench and actually go back to the the earliest form of the story which is which comes from the metric in Shanicus. um look there can you Briefly summarise that for us and tell the story that
0: comes across in that. Yes, well... Just, we'll put it on the blog. It, yeah, the, the full text and um, my attempt at translation will go on to the blog itself. But just to make clear, the metrical Dingenicus, Dingenicus means the history of place names or the history of important places. And uh, within the Book of Leinster, among other manuscripts, there is a collection of loads of poems in the metrical case. Uh, which tell the story of uh, the history of famous places. And there are two places. about Shannon Shinnon, aren't About Shannon yes. There are two poems, one after the other, and they largely agree. There's, there's the second one has a few stanzas at the end, which mm. give you know other possible versions of how the Shannon got its name. Um, although it also st- says that there, those versions are no better than the one that's just told. Right. So in these the, 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 the that
1: basically the two similar Metro Good and chanaka's versions yes shinan is this
0: wonderful noble woman yes who has a, who is accomplished it doesn't say anything about being accomplished for a girl it just says she was a girl and she was Greatly accomplished Has every accomplishment Yeah, every gift that could be imaginable The only thing that she lacked was poetic inspiration Which in the poem is imboss Right, so she then goes off to Conn as well Yes Which it isn't where I put it at the source of a river it's weird, isn't it? It's... It is. It's out to the west, and it's under the sea. Under the sea, in okay. the domain of Conlo, which is under the waves. Right. And uh, so Shannon has to make her way there, uh, in order to gaze upon the bubbles of inspiration. Yeah. And, and then it's told how the well is surrounded by the nine poets' hazels, which are said to be ilculech, all musical, and that uh, the. These trees are wondrous because they produce the leaf, the flower and the fruit all in one instant. And that as soon as the nuts are ripe, they drop into the well and there they're eaten by the salmon. And the salmon, while they're chewing up the nuts, the juice produces these lovely bubbles. Which are bubbles of inspiration. And it's these that Shinnan wanted to go and gaze upon. Yeah. So she wanted to look at them in order to be inspired, to, to gain this deep yeah. kind of inspiration that's termed emboss. And then there's, the water rises up, but it's not quite like the version that's... There's certainly no sense of the water being angry. Yeah. So... And that that's that's appeared in more than one English language retelling, that the waters were angry at yeah. her. But they sort of follow her back. yeah follow oh. her back across um the land until they reach the edge of the river so the water
1: rises the sea rises and comes to the river yeah which right. which and that's where she dies yeah that she she is then drowned finally on on the edge right. of that river so that's a sort of summary mm. of the story itself mm. but well, what i find interesting and clear is that a she's certainly not a disobedient woman or a rebel Absolutely she's not. the flower
0: of her people accomplished and valued and in fact the, the poems are set as almost a, a, a mourning for the loss of this great lady um that she was someone who was so fine and so accomplished and it's a tragedy for us so it's like a eulogy on yeah on her life exactly then of course the next thing that
1: she's accomplished in every way she just needs poetic inspiration so why should if she's already a poet and already accomplished and already a a, a great lady why is it this one thing that she needs that's so important do you think well
0: The the very highest levels of early Irish society, which was very structured, very highly stratified... The top of that heap, pretty much, was the olive or the chief poet that's nice, isn't it when poets are the, absolutely are the top of the society exactly, and in fact, you know although they weren't officially the king who had you know the highest possible status, they were most often uh, advisors to the king and mm-hmm. there there are examples in the annals that give time where an interregnum they're the it's the olive and the chief poet who mm-hmm. takes care of the land in between. <coughs> But well, often they could speak. They could speak if on the behalf king of the be- king. wasn't available, they would speak for the king. They could speak for the king. They could speak for the 2 um, They could speak for the 2 uh, the people, when they needed to negotiate with another kingdom. Mm. Um, they were ab- absolutely the most honoured in there society. There is evidence to show that women could be poets, isn't there? Definitely, yeah. And um, again... Although, again, the status texts would say that a, you know, ban filled, so a, a woman poet, couldn't quite attain the same status as the olive or the chief poet, she could still get pretty damn close. Mm. And certainly as time went on, it became a tradition, particularly that the, the laments, the it, would be made by woman poets. Mm. So
1: although the uh, we're not suggesting that the ancient Irish society was completely... Um, egalitarian. Um, it, it was certainly not quite what Okari suggests.
0: No, and it's it's, it's definitely not a case that, you know, women had to be as elizabeth peters put in her novels that a woman had to stand on a pedestal and therefore couldn't do anything and had to remain completely still yes that may be not exact but yeah i like the quote yeah um
1: now but this thing about the um inspired the poetic poetic inspiration it seems to be one stage beyond yeah
0: the creation of good poetry well again we have a lot of texts that speak of the various grades of poet that you could get and indeed the training that they had to go through in order to achieve these various grades and uh, one text which is uh, published as the middle irish verse Lehrin by Rudolf turn which is the middle irish verse mm-hmm. texts and uh, that gives 12 years a course of 12 years mm-hmm. to study to reach the, the highest grade of. so of which poet. was the most important type of poetry then well it, it again once you get to the the most advanced study and the most advanced qualifications you're talking about um phyllids, poets who were also lawyers and uh, had sort of medical law lore and um could do the most complicated kinds of poetry including anovin, which is a, a meter of poetry that has only three syllables in each line mm. um but this particular term, imbos, there are... Or te- well, the poetic inspiration. Yeah, there, there are uh, tales that the, some of the most advanced techniques of the poets included the imbos for Osna, um, which is sometimes it's translated as a sort of a, a magical lore. But what it is, at, in essence, is a kind of inspiration that allows you to produce perfectly metrical poetry off the top of your head so it's extempore extemporary yeah. improvised poetry yes. but still
1: which has a perfect
0: form exactly yes and so that is the most advanced form so of poetry that's what she was looking for that's what she's looking
1: yeah. for yeah now it's interesting that you you said that sometimes the word imboss is um, used it's it's, it's 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 translated as magic and certainly this type of poet, poetry does feel magical
0: yeah it's it's often again within some stories it's said to you know have magical effects if you like because but, yeah it's a bit misleading using yeah, the yeah that, that um when gwyn has translated these two poems in the metrical dindynicus he always translates imboss as magical lore and that that is misleading it's about poetry first and foremost and only then the sort of the magical element is describing that poetry itself yeah, is magical. This is the problem with translations and interpretations.
1: They can be misleading. It's the same difficulty when I came to to look at the Irish stories, obviously not having been born here and not having been born to the Irish, let alone the early Irish. Mm. Um, I could only rely on English versions and translations of the story. Mm. I couldn't go directly to the earliest texts myself.
0: And um, this seems to be a real danger at times. It is, and uh, not least because you then come across a piece which has been deeply interpreted in the way that Okuri's telling of the Shinnan story has been so coloured by O'Curry's own thoughts and assumptions and yeah. prejudices... And that makes the it seem as if there's a whole different story. It's a good about. example of how a story can be told um, for its time. Exactly. I mean, you, in order when you read one of these um, 19th century texts, you are very much aware that it's of its time. Yeah, or the
1: Victorian imperialism and yes. the importance of uh, uh, encountering other groups who may not be as advanced and yes. carrying the light. Of uh,
0: British culture across the world, the whole missionary position <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although it also rather uncomfortably a lot of the books at this time when they 're talking about you know groups of peoples yeah. across Europe, they keep talking about Aryan. Races, And, of course, this is very uncomfortable in a post-Hitlerian yeah, world.
1: Yeah, the Aryan races. Yeah. We,
0: and this before, when these things are prior to the 30s, were not
1: meant in the the, the the way we would understand it now. No, no. But it's still this sense of one race of people are better than another. Yes. And, again, that one gender is better than another. Absolutely. And this is absolutely clear. Yeah. Everybody had their place, and the British um, imperial groups mm. in Victorian times were at the top. Yeah. Although O'Curry was Irish. It well, he still so, seems
0: to keep this well within with, within the intelligentsia. You know, the intelligentsia mm. of any society that is officially ruled by another is going to sort of want to identify itself as much Whether, as possible. You know, I with mean, I know
1: other. he he's strongly and, and scholarly yeah. Irish, but he still seems to carry this exactly this they, quality. Yeah, still has that assumption. Mind you, it was, it was equally true in medieval times when a lot of the texts were
0: well, this is a, written you, down. Uh, it's something that's always worth bearing in mind, and I've come across this particularly in terms of the m- medieval texts, particularly when, when they talk about Oam, Ockham, mm. Um, It's clear that they really don't understand... The, the linguistic basis of all of them which of course they're mm-hmm. writing about something that was a thousand years prior and so they're trying to make sense of it in their own time well, they're also trying
1: to make sense of the stories in terms of a lot of them were put together by monks yeah. or, or, or clerical people mm. who were after all able to had time to write as much as anything exactly, else yeah. and uh, therefore they're concerned with the genealogies and yes. trying to fit them into
0: biblical and uh, classical exactly. genealogies yes.
1: so everything has to be made to fit
0: yeah and also there Was this general trend towards uh, trying to make mythology? a kind of ancient history um, and also again to make things that were obscure to them already within the Irish culture be it the poetry be it the the, the people characters who are talked about in the stories mm. of the two Dé Danann, trying to make sense of it according to their own culture after we're always trying to make meaning for our own time yeah that's what we're all doing that's what I'm doing
1: that's what you're doing exactly I mean it's been true even in modern times I mean in take for example in the last 20 years um there's been this desire to find and, and an understandable desire mm. to touch the divine feminine yes there's nothing wrong with that it's been really needed yes but at the same time it's led to a almost like an idealized idea of matriarch or or matriarchal or matrifocal societies yes which i'd
0: love to say existed but there's probably little yes so there's little, little enough, real enough evidence. evidence yes i couldn't say little enough elephants but i'm not <laughs> sure where they came from and after
1: all my version of the story mm. um you know wants to encourage you know i'm seeing it in terms of creativity and uh intuition yeah. so
0: it's no different although it's i a... hope it has a little more <laughs> well again you know what... contact with the dinshannagus well what we're doing here is we're we're recreating the the uh, materials for the current time and from our point of view as uh, m- middle-aged women who live in ireland you're not middle-aged ah come on now <laughs> <laughs> always been old. Always been old. This in is attitude. In attitude. <laughs> Look on the book. But, <laughs> but again, um, you know, I have a, definitely have a feminist background. I definitely yeah. have um, an atheist approach to these things. Mm. But hopefully, in the way that we're working, we are laying out our methodology clearly, and hopefully as well, giving our listeners access to the yeah. sources so they can make up their own well, minds. Maybe we ought to stop looking at the lovely bubbles and go back to the text. <laughs> yeah. OK, we found out more about
1: the character of Shinnan, but what is she doing in these poems? If she isn't going to a well which rises up in anger, she's, she's then she's going to look for a well
0: that's at the bottom of the sea. Now, this is a bit odd. Finding a well at the bottom of the sea... It, it is a bit strange i mean very much it's a, a tale you of get a well at the bottom of the sea <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a paradox it is it is paradoxical and there's a lot else that is paradoxical oh, it's full of tale. Of paradoxes. Yeah. look just
1: look at some of the paradoxes yep you've got uh, a well at the bottom of the sea paradox uh the the source of the river uh, the source of this well is also the destination mm-hmm. paradox the 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 wonderful um, hazel trees, they bud and flower and fruit at the same time, mm-hmm. which I really should have put in my story, but it sort of didn't work. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a paradox anyway. Mm. And then you've got these salmon living underwater who are um, taking in the nuts that fall from these trees underwater, mm. but they're also going to the source of the river. Mm. Paradox. Mm. Um, oh, there's one more. She goes to the well of generous women.
0: Yes, th- this is something that I didn't uh, say in the earlier summary of the poem, but that the well uh, is also described as Fela which is the well of the generous woman. So it's con this well, but it becomes, it's also the well of generous woman. Yeah, and yeah. that's its name at the beginning of the story. Yes, but then there's another. <laughs> there's an addendum at the end to say that it's called Fela because Shinnan went there. That she's the generous right, so woman who it's named of,
1: for. It's kind of. Circ- Reasoning. Exactly.
0: Another paradox. Yeah. Now, you could explain
1: all these paradoxes as, as being that the, the, the place is a place that is no place, a of time that is no time. In fact, that it's another world place. Yeah. That it's in the land of promise. or the yes. uh, You know, a lot of these other world places are set beneath the waves. Or over the sea. Or over yeah. the sea or on an island in yeah. a lake in the middle of a river yeah. and all sorts of places. All these limbic places. Mm um but could there be another reason on this in the t- in terms
0: of the poetic inspiration well in terms of the journey that she has to make she wants to reach the absolutely the pinnacle of poetic art and so she has to find an impossible place and this is not uncommon in mythology and in folklore and in songs and so on, that in order to get a great gift, yeah. you have to do what seems impossible. And there's also
1: a reference now, it turns up in several stories, but I know it's associated with the um, story of Fionn and the Salmon of Wisdom, which yes. describes that the place where poetry is found is beneath the water, beneath, between the water and the
0: dry land. Yes. It's in the place between. That's a exactly. place
1: that's almost impossible. To find,
0: often, except by accident. Yes, yeah. That it's it, it's, a, it's neither one thing nor the other. Yeah. And um, this is something that shin in order to reach that goal and that real gift of true poetry, she has to pass through paradox to get there and she has to accept that they are paradoxical yeah. in order to know, get that poetry such a familiar
1: theme in mm. folk tales and songs i mean for instance oh just the well-known song of um, uh, scarborough, scarborough fair. fair you know rosemary and thyme and all that stuff but i mean part of the verses of that i, I can't recall them in detail but uh, tell her to find me an acre of land mm. between the water and the dry land tell yeah. her to uh, um you know what is it um dry, dry it the, the something church. about a shirt yeah yeah um, <laughs> Tell her to dry it on yonder dry thorn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's 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 this this constant do the impossible. Yes, yeah. You know, if you can do the impossible, then you will have achieved the quest. Yeah. Um, there's. A lot of stories. There's uh, the Welsh story of Talithlin, with the, the physicians of Talithlin, and the way the young man achieves his bride. In the first place, the lady who comes out of the, the water, the the, mm. the, the, the the fairy woman, and uh, she won't come to him until he comes. He comes to her neither shod or unshod, neither dressed nor undressed, yeah. um, neither on not neither on foot or on, on horseback, yeah. um, he, so and neither with bread that is baked or unbraked. And I think yeah. he comes to her with one foot on a, you know, I forget the details. But one
0: shoe on, one shoe
1: on. He's dressed in a net, yeah. a fishing net, he's and he has to get on, his mother to bake bread for him. And he's on the back of a goat or something oh, like that, that. That belongs to the other story right, of okay, yeah, with, but... um And how do you kill a god? Yes. You know, that's the story yeah. of flu you yeah. know, the, the Welsh flu and his, how he you know, that's another yeah. story. But there's so many stories yes. full of paradox. Yeah. What about the wonderful story of Tamlin with the three paths? Yes. You know, there's the broad, broad path that um across, you know, that is the that is the path to hell, though some do call it the path to heaven. Yeah. Do you see that narrow, narrow path, you know, and that is the path to righteousness, though after it, but few inquire? And do you see that that uh bonny body path that mm. spreads across the what is it? The, the, I forget. That is the path to Fair Elfland, where yes. you and I this night must go. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, it's, that's the in between. The in between. Yeah. The way into that other world. The way into that inspired place mm. must lie between the two opposites. Yes.
0: In fact, you get it in Harry Potter as well. You get having to go to Platform Nine and Three Quarters. Yeah, it's in order to get the train that brings you off to the wizard school. It turns you it
1: it it appears, yes, it's going through Narnia and through the wardrobe, yeah, through yeah. the impossible. Yeah. Um I love it. Yeah, I absolutely. Love it. I've always love that paradox. Yes. The way to magic is through paradox. Yes. Yes. And the way to poetry is through paradox. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going on too much. <laughs> um we're going on to yeah you know there's something else that comes up is this constant the wells and I was interested in the wells yes yeah now earlier on I mentioned there were the 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 two Bowen poems
0: yes that that very often you find that the the story of Shinan people will say oh it's the same as the story of Bowen that the origin of the river Boyne well, give us an outline of the Bowen stories yes yeah. again within the Dintynekas there are two poems. Uh, now, these don't agree as closely as the two shin and poems agree with one another. But in brief, um, in both poems, Bowen is said to be the wife of Nechtan, who is supposed to be a powerful man mm-hmm. of the two a day. Um, and in the first poem, there is this well, um, which is dangerous, and it's so evil that if you look at it, your eyes will explode. Oh, like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yay, look at it. yeah. boom. So it's the, is this another sort of lovely bubble? Yeah. Boom!
1: Boom! boom <laughs> splat! Yeah, maybe where we get this mistranslation as the red in the well or yeah, the purple yeah, in yeah. the well.
0: This isn't the lovely bubbles of inspiration. This no. is the exploding eyes, yes. maybe exploding eyes. So in in this first poem, the the well is dangerous and it's evil and that's why people aren't allowed near it. Yeah. But Bowen, who is very powerful, she decides to go and test the strength of the evil in this well. So obviously she reckons that she can deal with it. And so she walks, I think, three times around it. Yeah. And, but the well, the, the strength in the well is too much for her. It and rises that, up in anger against her. Yeah. Well, it's it's more that it's already evil and dangerous. <laughs> And so these three waves come and they injure her in the eye and in the hand and in the foot. That's interesting. Yes, it is very interesting. We'll come back to that later on. And um, so then she tries to escape, basically, these ferocious waves and they carry her all the way to the sea. Mm -hmm. So that's the the way it stands in the first poem. Now, in the Mm -hmm. second poem... it. Brings in the story of uh, Bowen and the Doctor meeting in secret mm-hmm. and having a liaison uh, behind Bowen's husband's back. They send him away uh, for nine months, but make him think it's a day. So oh, that- Yes so that the, the child Oingis uh, he's can be one, born the, young is the son who yes. was conceived and born, born in, in, in one, one night or exactly one day yes. yeah. so they bring in that story except again in the prose version Bowen's husb- husband is called Elkvar in this it's Nechton but anyway that after the whole you know nine months conceiving and, and birthing of Oingis is complete that Bowen is ashamed of herself then she suddenly gets second thoughts yeah that suddenly she, she's ashamed <laughs> (laughs) What have
1: I done? And
0: so she has to go to this well in order to essentially wash away her guilt or her supposed sin um but that Nechton is already suspicious of her and so he has set his three cupbearers to spy basically now, on cupbearers have magic we'll Absolutely. have to come back to that this it's, it, it's yes. not doesn't mean they just carry his cup no it's not it's not a barmaid no. uh, this is something a bit more involved slightly mysterious but anyway that they the, these three uh, cupbearers are keeping an eye out Pardon the pun for Bowen coming to the well, and kind of they have control over the water so they cause these three waves to, to rise up and injure Bowen Which as is a where punishment. I got, in a way, the magicians who
1: kept the kept it contained and static, yeah. kept it secrets and wouldn't let anybody else. Yeah,
0: and again, this it seems to be because. You know, earlier scholars went oh look there's Shinnan which is a female figure who goes to a well and causes a river and here's Bowen who's also a female figure who goes to a well and causes a river mm. therefore the story's the same and the two stories have got conflated y- they have definitely yeah, but, but yeah. they are so different in character they
1: are and what's interesting is something you didn't mention in, in one of the Bowen poems it's like every river that anybody yes. knew about is mentioned from the uh, Tigris to
0: the to the Euphrates the Euphrates you know the and the River Jordan, Jordan. Jordan,
1: all mentioned. There are all yes. the names of this river.
0: Yeah, that's known as the 15 names of the Boyne, which yeah. comes as a sort of introductory piece to the first Boyne. In through. fact,
1: etymologically, etymologically speaking, mm-hmm. um, there are several European river names that can be connected with Shinnan, yes. um, two of them being the Severn and the Seine. It's yes. been suggested that it might have been a a river name that... You know, the there SI, was, the Shi mm, that
0: was common across, common across Europe. Europe yeah. Um Although it's interesting that within, if you like, the Irish poetic tradition, that those rivers are actually equated with the Boyne and not the Shannon. So mm, slight difference. <laughs> right. There are
1: other stories which are similar um to Uh, you know this story of a woman going to a well it's quite common about a lot of wells although they tend to be closer to the bowen story than in fact the shinnan story for instance there's a well not far from where we are now in a place called fina which is not really more than a few miles down Mm. the road and that has a very old story about a well and in this case the well was kept with a lid on to Mm. make sure it stayed as a well until some woman Dares to go near the well and takes the lid off, at which the waters rise up and cover the land until some quick thinking male cuts her legs off or her feet off. Yes. And that stops the flow of the water. Literally stops it running. Stops it running. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And not a particularly pleasant story, but no. it's more typical of the type of stories you find.
0: It is. There's, there's a real persistence about uh, wells being associated with female figures and very often in you know the birth of a lake or river will be about you know a, a female figure interacting with the well but it, it seems to me that as time goes on that the association of, of the woman with the well becomes a bit more negative and that it's more like you know that thing of having to punish or contain or take control of the woman and could take control of the well exactly yeah yeah that that, that to it's me feels like the of
1: the land mm,
0: is
1: is something that must be kept carefully controlled, yeah, carefully and contained and measured, yeah. and is not to be left to women. God, no. You might share it. <laughs> oh dear, we're giving away our <laughs> feminist views. Biases, <boys> yes. <laughs> So that's why there is a there is a story in the Welsh it's it's a romance story it's quite a late story called The Lady of the Fountain and I I particularly like this one because it tells how there was once a beautiful land rich and and fertile until some knights came along and oh in this land I hadn't said there were the wells and the women of the wells the the maidens of the wells would freely give of the water to everyone who passed Mm. with handing the water out in these wonderful golden cups until one day some knights came along and they decided that they rather liked these golden vessels, and they stole them from the women, and they raped the women, and the water became a way, and the land became a total wasteland. And it said that until the voices of the wells were heard again in the land, the land would remain a wasteland. Yeah. I thought it was a good story, it is. yeah. And it's maybe why I chose to interpret the Shinan story as I did. You see, for me, I think the well is about the source of creativity that can be shared by all if it's allowed to flow and allowed to go where it will. that It doesn't mean that scholarship isn't part of it, Mm. but it's good to have fun with it as well. And possibly why a lot of my life has been dedicated to community art and creative writing with children and storytelling. It's yeah. probably why I do what I do. And it, a lot of it was based on the story of Shinnan. that story, yes. Uh, that was my personal touchstone. Mm. So if that's personal bias, so be it. Exactly. We'll just have to deal with that. <laughs> so back to the text. Let's go and dig up some more. Yes. Uh, I'm interested in why the
0: water then rises up. What causes this rise up? Yeah. Um, it It's not really specified within the poems of Shinnan, um from the Metrical, Dinhennicus. It does seem that she, by her going there, that the water rises and that it follows her back to the edge of the river, which... Mm. I take to be the edge of the river Shannon, so she's drawing the water back over so there's no anger, anger attached to this no, there's no mention no blame. of blame, no, no mention of anger or blame. there's no although it's said that the is then drowned at the end of this process is what she went to is isn't yeah. there
1: some mention of she went there to get what she needed for her new life
0: yeah at, at, at sort of early when she decides that she's going to go to the well it said that the, it would be a new activity for her new life that she is as it were that that she dies to her old life mm. and is born to a new life again the introduction of the first poem the first stanza says oh. this is the way that although shenan died her name became immortal yeah, and it's the ending of something causes the beginning.
1: Yeah, uh, certainly no sense that the well is dangerous or under control of anybody else. No,
0: it's it's just mysterious, and you have to sort of look in the unexpected places in order to get there. And no bursting eyes. No, definitely no exploding eyes. <gasps> I like this. I wonder what on earth causes it. the well made their eyes burst. Yeah, I, I just
1: I, I can't think of anything that could have caused that. But I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay. Does Shinnan succeed or fail? Mm. I mean in the Bowen, Bowen story, she
0: clearly fails. Bowen fails. In in either telling. Again, in the first telling, she's simply not strong enough to withstand, you know, the dangerous water of, of the well. In and in the second telling, it's it's much more judgmental. You know, it's that she has committed a crime or a sin and that she is deliberately punished. For that, and mm. that the water is the means of this punishment. Yeah. So in either case, you know, Bowen doesn't succeed in what she sets out to There's do. There's certainly the the Schillen story is significantly different. It is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as I can see, she,
1: as you're saying, she draws the water of the inspired pool back to the river mm. where she's drowned, or yeah. maybe the water of the well under the sea follows
0: her until it reaches the river, and there mm. it becomes too great and de- and destroys her. Mm. Or if you interpret it metaphorically as uh, Sinan seeking to become the best poet that she can be, that she draws this source of inspiration back with her and uh, continues to flow with it or to follow it or it to follow her until... The day she dies. Right, so she becomes a poet,
1: inspired poet, for the rest of her life. Yes. Until she dies and is mourned. Yeah, and uh,
0: after which, although she dies, her art, her poetry, will live on forever. So either way, she's transfigured by the experience. Definitely, definitely. You know, it comes across as
1: a powerful invocation of the poet's quest. Yes. And how much her quest is honoured.
0: Yeah, and that it's difficult and that, uh, again, although this very valued and beloved figure is lost to us, that she has left something behind for us and... That's very much. That poetry the, will live on. Yeah, and you know the the artist's quest, you know, for immortality, so if you like. It really you know. is about the artist's quest for immortality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting
1: and creativity. Of so course. wasn't far off. No, no, no. I've got one more thought, and mm. this is pure speculation, mm-hmm. or you could call it poetic inspiration, <laughs> or just a storyteller's rambling. Mm. Um, it was just one idea that's come to me from allowing the imagery to well up. You know, it seems to me that the story is backwards. Mm. Instead of the river flowing to the sea, the sea flows to the river. So you get this sort of image of a great wave rising up and flowing over the land until Mm -hmm. it reached the river. Now, doesn't that sound a bit like a tsunami? Might do. (laughs) Well storms off the west of Ireland can be wild but if you were to search for a a huge tsunami that swept over Ireland or the west of Ireland uh, for as I know, you might have to go back over 8,000 years. Now, there was, for example, the Agassiz Lake in northern Canada. I believe that was the
0: size of California. Created, created by the first melting of the ice after the last ice age. Now, I believe that had been oh, kept a lake, a pool, a big
1: pool, a lake. Yes. Kept, kept contained and static <laughs> by a dam of ice. Yes. And that that melted and caused such a tsunami That it swept across the Atlantic Turned Ireland into an island, sort of Except for it's the Yes,
0: yeah, up in the northeast
1: Yeah, and uh, it's also supposed to have created the Black Sea
0: Yeah, which was a, a highly populated area at that oh. time And uh, this certainly would have changed the, the changed landscape the landscape of, considerably Absolutely, yeah um,
1: Who knows, maybe it even gave rise to some of the inundation stories That yes. uh, proliferate. Among all over Europe, Gilgamesh, and West to, Asia, you know, onwards. Yes. And it struck me that, that the Mesolithic Mesolithic people living between the sea and the dry land would have been pushed into a new world. So as it were, you know, they put they all lived, they tended to live on the shoreline because oh, that was the, the easiest yeah. and richest place to live, and mm. gave them the space and also gave them the, the diet that they mm. needed and room to move. Because the interiors were mostly Forested. forested and um the, the you can almost create a sort of scenario that was applicable to the hunter-gatherers at the time as they were forced inland maybe towards to living on the shores of the rivers mm. oh, but of course it's pure speculation when it comes to you know could a memory um almost be passed on over of the time when the end of the world became the beginning, it's beginning of the beginning new world it's well, just speculation when it comes to shinnan of course
0: it might not be uh, there is another uh, magical dinheneca's poem that mentions shinnan and it's, uh, the, the name of the place it's talking about is Othliagh Find, which means the Ford of Finn's Stone. Now, this is down at Lanesborough. Yes, at Again, yeah. not too far from here. Not near, too near. far away. It's where the Shannon uh, enters Loch Rhee, the northern edge of, mm. of Loch Rhee. And uh, the story is that, as usual, when you're talking about Finn, there was a great battle and lots of people were slain and all the rest of it. But during this battle, the Shinnan comes up and she gives Fionn a three-sided stone which has a golden chain attached to it, Mm -hmm. which is a curious kind of image. It is, actually. Yeah, and uh, that Fionn uses this... Stone. It's a bit unclear to me about exactly how he uses it. Whether it's Some a sort weapon. Of weapon, or yeah, something. It talks about putting it on on uh, the 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 neck or on the shoulders of Guragul, um, and then Fionn making taking an oath by it that uh, if he ever uses anything but a spear, a sword, or a brand, that his side should touch the ground, so he should die if he yeah, used yeah, yeah. anything other than those. And then he, he chucks the stone away. Into the river. Into the river, into the pool there, so that it it, it um it's falls into the ford. Yeah. yeah. And then it's said that um there will be a girl who will find this stone. Her name will be oh before she finds it, the the river casts it up onto the shore and then it will be found by this girl. And her, her name is Bay Tina. Which means the Lady of the Wave, mm-hmm. and that she will find a stone. She'll put her foot through a loop of the golden chain, and then seven days after that, it will be Judgment Day. So it's, it's the she, end. So of the it's world. in other words, we've got it's odd. You've got Shillin here somehow connected with the end of the world. Yes, and and with someone called the Lady of the Wave.
1: Yeah. it's it, It's just um, it could be anything. It could. But you could say that we might have recovered one of Ireland's irish mythology's oldest
0: creation stories yes if we 're going to be if 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 you take it as this um... Cataclysmic event, which would have changed and altered the landscape of Ireland and the way that the people living here had Good to story, find a living. Though, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and those stories are never about the creation of people, but always about the shaping of the land.
0: Yeah, it's it sometimes has been said that you know there are whatever our creation myths are, they've been lost. I don't think they are lost. No, um, I think it's just that they are of a different kind. That most cultures they have a creation story whereby a, a an all powerful being or a very powerful being a creates, creator of some. Kind. yeah creates the first people often out of clay you know um but that and however it happens the first people are created by this being we don't have that in Ireland there's absolutely no stories whatsoever no it's not there which
1: describes a creator creating the people Mm. they are they just appear from not being
0: or from sleep yeah and they're not regarded as the people until they can make things. Exactly. Hence the Tuatha Dé are the people of Danu. And the root of Danu's name is craft. So they're people of craft. Yeah. So what making. makes you human is that you make things. Yes. So And rather than having any story about humans or people being created, what we have are people who are Shaping the land and the landscape—that's where the creation comes in. Creation is all about the shaping of the land. Yeah, so it's about people applying that craft. And the creation itself mm.
1: of Ireland, yes, is a kind of powerful shaping, isn't
0: it? Well, it is. Again, you know, the, the, <laughs> this is how Ireland became an island was through this massive tsunami. Yeah. We we know from you know world mythology that cataclysmic events do get remembered in story form. Again, that the inundation, which could well be the same tsunami, yeah. is remembered throughout. Now, we can't prove this either way, but it makes a good story,
1: doesn't it? It is a good story. And whatever, however you take it, whether you see Shinan as uh, this example of poetic inspiration and the great poet who's um, uh, uh, the creation of the word and creativity, mm. or whether you see her as um, a memory of the, the first great shaping of Ireland. Mm. It's a powerful story.
0: That is it. Thank you for listening to Ogilf Nanagus. Conversations about Irish Mythology with the Story Archaeologists, Chris Thompson and Isolde Carmody. For more information or to subscribe, please visit www.storyarchaeology.com. You can get in touch via email on storyarchaeologists at gmail.com.